Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. When you get a new car and you walk outside and you see it clean in your driveway, there's a sense of pride, right? Yeah, I earned that. Does the nice car have anything to do with your self-worth as a human being? I would offer no, it doesn't at all. It's a reflection of what you earned, but it's not a reflection of who you are. Happy holidays, everyone. It's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Today, I want to talk about what makes the whole world go round. No, not money, not love, but shame. This four-part series is an excerpt from my online course, Accountability, Metrics, Money, and Shame, which is free for Clear and Open members. Shame has always been a huge issue for humans. And if you look through any history book, you'll pretty much find a list of times that powerful men tried to cover up their shame. But today, social media magnifies the role that shame plays in everyone's lives, making it even more relevant. We're practically spoon-feeding it to ourselves every time we pick up our phones. So over the next few episodes, we're going to examine our relationship with shame, look at the important differences between shame and its cousins like remorse and embarrassment, and talk about how you can start healing shame. And listen up. We've got a brand new live course starting January 10th, 2019, and it's a good one, so I don't want you to miss out. It's called Managing with Inquiry, Create Powerful Change Through Radical Acceptance. If you've tried on the teachings of Clear and Open even just a tiny bit, you already know the real power is not in doing, but in undoing. In this new 11-week course, I'll be teaching you how to use the power of questioning yourself to create radical change. When you have the guts to look in the mirror, I mean really, really look, you can completely undo the limiting beliefs, negative patterns, and untrue but destructive assumptions that are holding you back and fast. I'm extra excited about this new course because I'm changing things up a bit and making this one a very hands-on workshop. You're going to get the kind of attention usually only my one-on-one clients get at a fraction of the cost. Each week, I'll work with people individually toward the benefit of the whole group. It's a great way to learn. And you're going to learn how to use inquiry with others so you can uncover the power of your colleagues and employees as well. It really does work. I'm predicting this will be the most powerful course I've ever taught because of the results I've seen in trying this model with my clients and certainly with myself. You're going to learn how to free up energy, time, and focus by being more in reality than you've ever realized and less in stress, anxiety, and overwhelm that you're going to learn you've been making up. Imagine a life where whenever you feel stressed out or upset, you know you're just a few deep questions away from it all disappearing. If that's something you desire, then this course is for you. Find out more at clearandopen.com slash inquiry. That's clearandopen.com slash inquiry. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Interesting stuff in the news today, or maybe it was yesterday. One of the officers who dragged that poor passenger off the United Airlines flight is suing United Airlines, his employer. Let's just pause and (laughs) take that in for a second. 
one of the men responsible for inflicting a broken nose, a concussion, and removing two teeth from a United, United Airlines passenger is suing United Airlines for mental distress due to the YouTube video of him committing said assault going viral and you know his reputation being forever I'd say tarnished is a light word to apply to such a situation. And the argument is he was insufficiently trained. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yes, this is true. I'm not making this up. That's what the news says. United Airlines said they haven't been served the suit and can't comment. Um, But that was from a reputable news source. He's suing the airline for improper training. In other words, they didn't tell him not to assault the passenger and drag them off the plane. That needed to be included. I mean, this is really not a surprise, though, in some ways. I mean, remember the McDonald's hot coffee thing? You know, that's why there's like in capital letters, caution, coffee is hot. Oh, really? Right. This is why desiccants say do not eat when you unpack the box, right? This is because they're all covering their butts. Because someone's going to do something stupid and not want to take responsibility for it and blame someone else. And instead of feeling what? Remorse. 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 Yep. Responsibility. Yes, absolutely. But the the emotion they're avoiding is the topic du jour. Oh, shame. Shame, yeah. Remorse is, we'll go into definitions at some point uh, through the course that maybe, I don't know if we'll have time for it. But remorse is a healthy thing that a strong, mature person can feel. When someone reacts in such a way, what they're avoiding is a, a feeling that they don't have the strength to bear. Because it's, it's artificial in one way to begin with, and that's shame. You know, I once heard a, uh, a historian say, if you don't understand white supremacy, then uh, all of history will look very complicated. And I, I love that statement. It's brilliant. And so I use it in different ways uh, a lot. I, I borrow it. Um, if you don't understand shame, the world will look really complicated. Because shame explains everything. You know, I was thinking before we got on the call, I was thinking uh, how people say money makes the world go around. No, it doesn't. Shame does. Shame makes the world go around. Did you know that there's some compelling evidence that says Adolf Hitler had Jewish ancestry? How does that make perfect sense? The story goes is it's quite possible that his mother was the cleaning lady that his father had an affair with who was Jewish. And there was some kind of scandal-ish in his family. The history is not definitive, but there's apparently some evidence that suggests that could be the case. Hitler is not a blonde. (laughs) He was not the Aryan that he loved so much. He had blue eyes. Many people don't know because all the pictures are black and white. but. He had blue eyes, but he was not blonde. His hair was quite dark. Wouldn't it explain a lot if he had, and and of course, uh, Germany is a very strongly Catholic country, especially then. 
So wouldn't it explain a lot if he had this kind of, you know, if he felt the shame of being a, not only a child out of wedlock or the result of adultery, but also part Jewish and, and having judgments about that? And then projecting that internal strife, shame, and self-hatred because he felt, you know, somehow dirty as a result of being the result of an affair and Jewish through the eyes of the anti-Semitism of the culture of the time, he projected that out onto 6 million Jews and plenty of others. That's what drives people, folks. Shame. People who want to have more money than anyone else, what are they making up for? Right? They feel so worthless on the inside that they need to surround themselves with money, lavishness, nice things, so that they feel good on the inside. And there's truth to that, right? When you get a new car and you walk outside and you see it clean in your driveway, there's a sense of pride, right? Yeah, I earned that. And yeah, you did. Does the nice car have anything to do with your self-worth as a human being? I would offer no, it doesn't at all. It's a reflection of what you earned, but it's not a reflection of who you are. But that's a distinction that gets really muddy, right? Because it's you could even make an argument. Well, in one way, the car is a reflection of who you are because you had to be a certain person to be able to earn, you know, yada, yada, to be able to do those things. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's a very subtle distinction. And so the distinction between shame and remorse or shame and embarrassment, all of these are very subtle distinctions. Maybe we'll get into them today. I, at the risk of saying something really obvious, I just want to make sure I'm getting this. What you're saying is that people do these things because they think they're bad. Yes. To cover over their feeling that they are bad. Yes. Okay. That's it. If you start looking through this lens, everything will get, as I said, very, very simple. Very, very simple indeed. Is this partly why um, social media has been having so much of an effect on people's emotional states? And yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's a great, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a whole other area. I mean, you can look anywhere, you can point your telescope anywhere or your microscope whichever, anywhere in society, and ask, how is shame playing out here? It's not a matter of whether or not, it's a matter of how. So social media, right? You hear all these reports these days, well, people say they, they think it's making them feel better and it's something enjoyable. But when you actually do the qualitative analysis, people feel worse after looking at social media than better. Well, why is that? Because social media is a venue for people to uh, assert a positive, a positive image of themselves and show people how well they're eating, how happy their family is. You know, what a great bowel movement they just had, whatever it is, right? They can talk about it in social media. Now in Twitter, double the characters from before. You know, you've got 280 characters to describe the great meal you just had, the great friend you just hung out with, the picture of the beautiful spot in Europe you're visiting. And then people see that 
And they go, and they, they enjoy the dopamine stimulation of it, like, oh, pretty picture. And then on the inside, they go, uh, I don't have enough money to travel Europe. I'm worthless. And then they log out, and then they wonder why they feel like crap. And then they look for some other form of stimulation to make them feel better. So the reaction is shame. But the, the, the people that post, I always thought it was narcissism. Well, let's look at the relationship between narcissism and shame. Okay. All you have to do is look at certain government officials who will remain nameless, because I'm trying to be better about that. Right? Mm. <laughs> the, the more... The, uh, our current president is the only president in modern history to ever explicitly push back against the inevitable teasing of him on shows like Saturday Night Live and others, right? Why is that? Every other president has just never said anything about it. Can anybody think of George Bush or Bill Clinton or Gerald Ford? I mean, Chevy Chase tore Gerald, poor Gerald Ford apart, right? Falling down all that. I mean, that was like really low in some ways, like bringing it down to physical comedy. You know, I don't know that any president besides Donald Trump, Donald Trump on a monthly basis, at least, at, at least, uh, will, will say something about Alec Baldwin, who is one of the most famous impersonators of him. What explains that? Why is Donald Trump the only, I said he would remain nameless and I screwed up again. Oh, well. Why is Donald Trump the only, the only president in history who feels the need to push back against people making fun of him? Is it because he has such a strong sense of self and you know impenetrable moral character that he's standing up for what's just? Or is there another explanation? <laughs> he's one of the most insecure people in public life. And so a stronger person would be able to just look at it and laugh it might pinch a little bit. They might not like it because, you know, of course, they're always picking up on the weaknesses of, of people. I suspect that Richard Nixon felt the way that Donald Trump expresses himself, but knew, knew enough to keep his mouth shut. Yes. He was a politician. Yes, he was. He was right. He was a politician. He knew how to play his cards right. And there are plenty of recordings of Nixon saying his true feelings about stuff. Where he was quite rash and opinionated, and but he had the presence of mind to keep his mouth shut, right? Yeah. And in some ways, we could say, okay, well, uh, you know, credit to Donald Trump. He says what he thinks. You can't take that from him, you know. And it's swayed half of the population, right? Who go, wow, this guy just says what he thinks. I, I admire that. There certainly are some things to admire about that. Except when the thinking that the saying reveals is critically flawed. <laughs> Wearing thin. But if your audience is also has the same critically flawed thinking, then there's no problem, right? Not insofar as staying elected is. Uh, so, so if we relate that to shame mm -hmm. and Trump, help me make that connection. He has deep wells of undigested shame because the shame's already there. That's the way to think about it. You can't make anyone feel shame, strictly sure. speaking. 
Um, even though we have this in our, you know, we have uh, in our vocabulary about well, you're shaming me, you know, it's it's a good distinction to make. The shame's already there. It's more internal. Yeah. So what's happening when Alec Baldwin does a Trump impersonation, it stimulates a shame response. It makes Trump aware of the shame that's already there. And then a defense system has to step in and do something about it in order to protect that shame. So in other words, what's already going on is he feels worthless and everybody has this to some degree, some more than others and some less than others. So Alec Baldwin makes fun of him. He feels a contraction of worthlessness that's been there since he was a child. And then that pain is so great that a defense system has to step in and go, whoa, we're not going to feel that shame contraction. That's too painful. Okay, what are our options? Open up Twitter and lambaste Alec Baldwin and, and the cast of Center Night Live. That will make me feel better. That pushes away the stimulus and invalidates the stimulus in order to make the shame response less. Okay. But it, it doesn't work. It doesn't actually heal the shame, so it has to keep right. happening. Right? And that's what's going on with the United Airlines guy, right? I mean, think about this. You know, everybody makes mistakes. That was a big one. And due to the I know, understatement of the decade. That was a big one. Yeah, it was a big one. He dragged a passenger. Now, even if you've got like three officers dragging someone off a plane, at what point did you need to make them lose two teeth, give them a concussion and a broken nose? Like, It's not that hard to drag a person off the plane with three people. You didn't, why did you have to hurt them so badly if you felt like you need to drag them off the plane? So anyway, someone called it on YouTube. And now millions and millions of people have seen it. The shame response in this guy, I mean, like, it's easy to assert that he must have been suicidal for a while, probably still is. I mean, that's, can you imagine what it's like to be him? I mean, that's like the greatest airline public disgrace in probably history. That was really bad and it was caught on tape. And uh, that's an unfortunate slash fortunate part of our society now is that anybody can reach into their pocket and pull out a video camera. It's uh, maybe will save us from some of the moral decay in the, in, that's happening in the world, right? So then this guy's shame response was so deep that he... I st- think how you said shame defense was a good way of saying yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, shame defense. Cause it, well, because it, it changes how I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, the sh- there's always... The shame is actually a vulnerable emotion. It's a, it's a yin thing. It's a contraction. And then there's a protector in us that comes out to protect us from it, from having to feel it. So there's two dynamics. And that protector of shame sort of incidentally is often a, a critic, critic of others and a critic of self. That's a whole other story. So the... the the thing to get, though, is that shame is everywhere. And, and it's only really Brene Brown is one of my heroes because she's one of the people who made it mainstream topic of consciousness. Uh, and it's, we're still a good, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years away from it being where it ought to be. Because a lot of depression is actually misdiagnosed shame. It's just not seen even by many mainstream psychologists. Because when someone's mired in shame, they show a lot of the same kind of um, symptoms as depression. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. 
Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.